Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at caffeinatedthoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Iowa Right to Life, the largest pro-life organization in Iowa who work to protect life from fertilization to natural death. Go check out their website at iowartl.org. That's iowartl.org. Hey, this is Shane Vanderhart. In studio, i got my producer, Ron Carlson, Yep, and, and we'll have more Ron throughout the show. <laughs> so, um, how, how finally, it's cooler weather. Yes. Isn't that pleasant to have so, it this much cooler? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I was like, you know, boiling hot. Mm-hmm. I, so, it makes me wonder. Sometimes it made me, made me doubt myself about what I thought about climate change. <laughs> Briefly, then I came to my senses. I heard you had an encounter with a large spider this week. Yeah, yes, this thing, this thing uh, made a web from the top of my garage, uh-huh. and, and it connect. I don't know what it was connecting to down on the on the on the driveway. Wow! But I w- went to take. You know, I was getting my trash can to take out to the curb, mm-hmm. and I'm like, this will not do. Um, <laughs> so it was it was wrong. A web that big is wrong. Honestly, that's not the biggest web I've ever encountered. I lived in Florida for a year. At night, you couldn't walk in between trees. Um, oh, wow. Matter of fact, anything that was actually fairly cro- close proximity, well, it didn't have to be close proximity mm-hmm. together. It, you got to be prepared that there's going to be a spider web because they're all over. I, I used to, I mean, I don't like spiders. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say I ever had arachnophobia, but if I ever did, that was cured by living in Florida for a year because <laughs> I you had to deal. Yeah. I remember I was... Cheryl and I were watching TV one night, and I saw in the corner of my eye this thing crawl across the ceiling. Uh-huh. Now, Florida has these w- variety of wolf spiders. They like calling uh, palmetto spiders mm-hmm. because they're like the size of your palm. Wow. Um, not, I mean, yeah, so they're they're big. Yeah. So you're not getting a Kleenex to deal with those. Yeah. Um, I, I took this oh. one out with a can of Raid and the baseball bat. Gosh. So... <laughs> But it's not as bad as the spider I saw on the the amazing interwebs. Um, I think it was a Guardian. I can't remember what what newspaper I was looking at, but they had this video. Has a couple reasons why I will never live in Australia. Oh, indeed, They're big they have the there. giant huntsman spider, mm-hmm. and I've seen pictures of the, these things. I remember watching a video of a huntsman spider actually carrying a dead mouse up a refrigerator. Yeah. So that gives you an idea how big these things are if they're able to carry that much weight. Yeah. This thing was huge. Oh, huge. Man. It was like saucer size mm-hmm. huge. Um it was like yeah, I'm like and it I wouldn't would be petrified. These, these, this cu- Australian couple couldn't make it out their door. Mm-hmm. Um so they finally they're trying to smith sm- uh Smush it with the door, and they actually took a couple of its legs off, and it finally scurried away. But gosh, <laughs> the thing that's like, yeah, I'm like, I need you need a Glock to take care of that. I think, <laughs> but unfortunately, Australia they got such strict gun control, they probably didn't have the tools necessary sure. <laughs> to deal with this to dispatch this uh, beast in proper style. So Indeed. anyway, we're on, on the show. We really aren't talking about spiders today, um, but thank you for the that, yeah. <laughs> yes, a machine gun will work too. Yeah. So, hey, we've got on the line a very special guest. 
Jake Porter. He's that's not a sound effect. That's just in our background. Okay. All right. I thought I thought you did that intentionally. No. It was that's appropriate. Nice, it's nice that it worked out. Okay. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so on the line we got Jake Porter. He's libertarian candidate for governor. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Jake. Thanks for having me on, Shane. How are you guys doing today? Oh, I'm doing well. Doing well. Um, okay, that, that machine gun sound went away. So good. I was, I was afraid we were going to have that as in the background for a conversation. I don't know if, if you could hear it on your end, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was interesting. So, hey, I, I always ask any candidate that we have on our show, why are you running? I'm concerned about the direction of the state, uh, particularly when it comes to the state's finances. Um, the fact is that the state of Iowa this year could not pay income tax refunds because they did not have the money to pay it. And yeah. they're borrowing from the emergency funds. Uh, as we speak, they're going to go back in uh, legislative session again, have a special session here in September, it looks like, to mm-hmm. borrow more money from the uh, from the emergency funds. And it, it's not because they've you know, they'll, they'll try to claim that, oh, we've, we're having a bad economy. That's not it. It's because they've increased spending yeah. while giving away lots in corporate welfare. Yeah. It, it, you know, the revenue has actually increased, uh, yeah. not, just not as much as they anticipated. So it's, it's not a revenue problem that we have. Um, you know, I, you, you actually were originally running for governor, and then you kind of stepped back from that to become the executive director of the part, uh, Libertarian Party of Iowa. So, you know... You're, you're, you were concerned before, but you decided to lead the party, but now you jump back in. Were you prompted to do that? or? Um, I, had, I had several people asking me to do that, particularly as I've seen how bad the thing, you know, I knew things were bad before, but as we see what's happening over in, like, Illinois, and we now look into more of what's happening with for IPERS, for example, what $7 billion underfunded. In the next few decades, we're going to be in the same shape that Illinois is now if we don't take steps. Well, that's encouraging. Change that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I come to bring hope, though. Okay, that's good, good. We, we can't, we've got plenty of time. Ho- to hope and, hope and no change. Hope and change? Uh, no, no change. No change. At least it's not. you're not going to you know, radically transform Iowa, right? So, um, what, you know, a lot of people are like libertarians. What are they all about? Are you guys kind of the you know, weird dudes? You know, you're wearing tinfoil hats. I mean, what would a libertarian governor look like? Well, I don't. I don't have a tinfoil hat. I mean, I can get a. I can buy one, I guess. But no, I, it, everything's. Gonna, <laughs> there, there's nothing going to be bad about it. Uh, libertarians are are pretty much the, in an average Iowan. Okay. There's nothing. Nothing special about us. I, I don't dress up in any uh, tinfoil hats or anything crazy like that. That's good. <laughs> but uh, we do believe that. Uh, you should be able to live your own life and spend your own money uh, how you see fit, so long as you're not harming anyone else. And right now, you can't spend your own money how you wish because the the state's decided how it's going to be spent for you. Mm. So, uh, you know, if, if should you basically are you going do you have any anybody running against you now that you guys can have a primary since you're you know you you made the threshold to be an official party and have primaries and all that. Um, or, you know, do you have any, anyone you're running against or is, are you going to pretty much get the nomination and go on into general? I think I'll win the nomination. I, there's a few people that have rumored it would be nice to have a primary. Mm-hmm. Um, that way we could have debates and things just like, uh, the Democrats and Republicans do. Uh, and I think that we probably will have, uh, at least one, one other person step up and run, uh, maybe maybe more than that. But as far as I know, I'm the only announced candidate uh, running as a libertarian. 
Okay. So should you win the the election, you become governor, what is like your top priorities? What are some things you want to see accomplished? One of the first things I would do is obviously take a look at the budget, go through there and analyze each department, find out what they're doing, um, and then start making cuts on anything that's unnecessary. So we can go through this list and we can find a bunch of things and then start to cut taxes based on that. Um, one of the other things I would do is um, restore voting rights to anyone that has served their time and, and paid for their crimes. Okay. So I believe that uh, forgiveness is a good thing and that we want people to actually take a, a part in our election process once they've done that. And if somebody's wanting to become you know, a citizen and right. do, the, do the right things, I certainly think we should encourage that as a state. Just as a, uh, just as a follow-up question to that, would you wait till say, they're released on parole, would you wait till their parole is up, or would you do it just as a, after the release from prison? Um, I'd have to take a look at that case by case, but after parole on, on that, definitely. Okay. Um, there's also the thing, too, of restoring gun rights. Mm-hmm. For anyone that's run, let's say, a nonviolent crime, let's say someone gets caught with a drug charge years and years ago, but we take their guns, uh, guns away, and definitely, I would want to simplify that process and go through and restore uh, gun rights to anyone that's for a victimless crime. So okay. obviously, if they've used a, used a gun in a crime, no, I wouldn't restore the gun rights for that. That's good, because I, I could just imagine the ads that could be run if you said, <laughs> it's like, well, Jake Porter, he he wants to hand guns back to violent criminals. Um so, uh, as far as uh, um, dealing with how we our tax code and, and and these corporate handouts, what do you what direction do you think Iowa should go in? I think we should just end corporate welfare. You know, we shouldn't tax the little business. We shouldn't regulate the little business to death while we're giving uh, these big corporations millions in in tax credits. And in some cases, with the research activities uh, tax credit. These are companies that are not even paying taxes. We are writing them a check. That way they can perform research on pretty much whatever they want to. We're just giving them a check for it. Well, Jake, as, as they say, but this is how we, you know, we bring job creators in the state. I mean, what would you do to help that? Well, I tell you what, if we really want to bring job creators in the state, we eliminate the state sales tax. Okay. That would bring people flocking. You know, I've worked in retail, managed retail. That would bring people flocking across our borders. Live over at Council Bluffs. We would see businesses set up all over Council Bluffs if we did that. You would have all kinds of people flooding over every day to go shopping in Iowa. Now, what about addre- what about addressing the business you know, the corporate income tax? Well, that's another thing we can go through. We can go through and we can greatly reduce that. They have one of the highest corporate income taxes in the country, I believe. I'm not for sure exactly where it ranks now. That's something we could also uh, do. Another thing, too, is the regulations we've got on small businesses. We have agency upon agency that just regulates small business to death. They're not making us safer. I mean, just up until, what was it, last year that you had to have a license to braid hair in the state of Iowa. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. Doesn't make us safer. It just drives up the cost to do business and makes it impossible for the small business to compete. Definitely. Hey, you're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and on the line I've got Jake Porter, who's a libertarian candidate for governor. Uh, Jake, we've heard a lot about health care reform uh, over the past you know months and weeks, uh, and Iowa you know made changes not last session, a couple sessions ago, uh, to mainly privatize. Um, 
you know, our, our, our the state's share of, of Medicaid or Medicare, I always get those confused. Was that the right approach or what, how would you as governor approach um, what, you know, dealing with health care? Yeah. I, I don't think that was the right approach. It caused a lot of unintended consequences. That was probably more of a thing of more corporate welfare, too, to those three, uh, three companies that uh, we ended up setting up for that. Uh, hasn't worked very well. A lot of things with our health care is not working well, and you have to look more at the federal government, too, at what they're currently doing to us. Mm-hmm. They're not going to make any repeals on this, and they're going to shift the tax bill to us. So right now, you know, as me being self-employed guy, getting insurance is pretty difficult in the state. Right. That's too impossible. And getting compliant insurance uh, for the mandate is impossible now. Yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, shifting gears a little bit, Iowa um, last session le- legislature tried passing several. Um, well, we had a late term abortion ban passed, um, and then uh, and they tried to do a life conception bill that ultimately you know, failed in committee. Uh, are there any pro life measures that you would support? I would. I don't think that the state should be funding any um, clinic or any organization that does provide abortions. Okay. So I believe that all the funding for that should go away. So um, where where do you stand on on uh, protecting religious liberty? What would you do to help out Christians, say Christian business owners, or uh, who are told, "Hey, um, we're, you're going to have to pay a fine because you refuse to provide services for uh, this this uh, same-sex couple who wanted to get a, you know, have you bake a cake or for their wedding or, or, I mean, I'm talking about wedding, not just flatly denying services for somebody because they're homosexual. But we've seen instances like uh, Gort's house where uh, they wanted to have, they wanted to be married. The couple said, no, that would violate our conscience. And they were fined and then they ended up going out of business. Um, and it doesn't seem like anybody's really done much to protect religious liberty in the state. Would you address that as governor? In any way that I possibly could, if those things came up, you know, the state legislature should also pass uh, or consider looking at legislation that does protect business owners, not just on that, but a variety of issues. Right. I don't think that the, I don't think the state should be able to tell you, you know, this is how you're going to run your business, and we're going to fine you if you do something we don't like. Right. Um, that's kind of what we're looking at. And, you know, there was another case over here in Council Bluffs. There was a group that wanted to, um, this is a few weeks ago, wanted to pray outside the, um, the um, courthouse. Okay. And they were denied their uh, permit to pray outside the courthouse. Now, if someone wants to pray outside the courthouse, I don't see what... Uh, why do they even need a permit? Why, well, yeah, well, why do, you, yeah, why do you apply for the permit, and then why do they get denied for it? I, I don't understand. That sounds like a First Amendment issue to me. Right. That people should be able to, to worship as they see fit without interference from the state. When we get state interference on, and that's one of the things that made Iowa great, a lot of people back when, probably before we were even a state, flocked over here from the Northeast for religious liberty. Right. Because they had that where they did not have that there. So we got just a, about a minute and a half left. Um, what are, you know, is there anything that we didn't cover in this interview that you want to make sure our listeners know about and, uh, or just a, you know, a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, absolutely. So my, uh, my background is in business. So I, I know how to look over the budget. I don't, I think that's the problem right now that we've not had people that understand the budget, understand what's in there and understand how to make cuts to it. 
Um, the government's going to keep growing. It's grown over a billion dollars in the past seven years under Republicans. They're not going to cut government, despite them saying that we've cut government. They have not. And they're not going to unless they are absolutely kicked out of office and we have uh, have some change in there. Great. And just one last question. What, what's your opinion of Common Core? we got about 30 seconds left. Get rid of it. All right, awesome. awesome. I figure that's where you stood, so I, I, I figured I'd keep that for last. Where can people learn more about you? Uh, jakeporter.org. That's jakeporter.org. Great. Hey, if you missed some of this interview, be sure to check out CaffeinatedThoughts.com. We'll have the podcast up over the weekend. Stay tuned, everybody. We'll be back. Hi, this is Brian Myers of Myers & Associates. If you're involved in maintenance at a manufacturing plant, you know how costly it can be when a machine goes down. And if the reason that machine went down is because the electronic controls on it failed, it can really be problematic if those electronics are obsolete. Well, not to worry. We represent Providence Industrial Electronics Repair, and they can get your machine up and running in no time. They repair boards, drives, servo motors, light curtains, you name it. So if you need industrial electronics repaired at your plant, or if you have other industrial maintenance needs, give me a call at 515-490-2640. That's Myers & Associates, 515-490-2640. Myers & Associates, keeping your operations running. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is only possible through the generosity of our sponsors. Be sure to check out Travis Rizvold, a modern woodman of America. Call Travis at 515-883-0029, and he can help you find the life insurance you need, as well as uh, Crosswalk Ministries with Scott Owen, who offers biblical counseling and conciliation. Contact him at 515-635-5465 or go to Crosswalk counseling.org. Uh, on the line, we've got a special guest, uh, Dr. Christopher Peters. Uh, he is a Republican congressional candidate in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. Uh, welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, Dr. Peters. Well, thanks, Shane. Nice to be here. So uh, my, my question that I always ask um, every candidate that I have on, on the show, uh, I had Jake Porter last segment, he's running for governor, asked him this as well. Why do you want to run? And especially for you, this is your second time biting the apple. <laughs> what, what prompted you to want to take this abuse on again? Well, you know, most of it isn't abuse. I look at it as having there's four components to being a candidate, two of which I really enjoy, one of which I tolerate, one which I really don't care for too much, but I'll have to do. Uh, the first two that I like is meeting new people and talking with them and sure. sharing their concerns. I've why I went into medicine. I enjoy I enjoy people naturally. Um, well, I shouldn't say naturally. Not all not all physicians do necessarily. Right. But I do. I've had a couple. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. 
number two, I love learning new things. So I like doing research, whether that's uh, in the past in the world of medicine and science generally, or and now in the world of politics and economics and policy. Um, third issue that I kind of have gotten better at and tolerate is public speaking has not been my a uh, natural thing for me. I think I've gotten a little bit better at it, but I'm not polished, and I don't mind not being polished. Uh, and the fourth one part of it is fundraising, which is the unfortunate aspect of being a candidate. You yeah. got to do it, but I don't think anybody likes it, even the ones that are good at it, at least from what I Right. Do. I've never heard anybody say, yeah, I love asking people for money. <laughs> exactly. Unless you're asking like for a charity or something. A little bit I different, yeah. That's a little bit better, right? Right, right. Yeah, I, I did some fundraising for nonprofits and and, you know, I'm like, uh, we're doing good work, so I don't have any, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have any problem asking people for money, but it's still, it's still difficult. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I think we talked about that when we met in Des Moines a couple months ago. Right. So, um, basically, last night, I don't know if you're watching what was going on with the health care, uh, the skinny repeal. I'm not even sure what that was um, as far as the skinny repeal, but it got tanked. Now that, now that, uh, um, basically Obamacare is going to remain on the books for the, the indefinite future. Where, where do you believe as a congressional candidate, if you're elected as a member of Congress, should we move? How should we move forward? Yeah, I, I got to say, I've been not up with the news very much this week because we've been on the road uh, sure. you know, since uh, Monday morning. So I've caught little snippets here and there, but, uh, and yeah, I wasn't exactly sure what skinny repeal meant either. <laughs> it seems like if, uh, you're going to do something, go all in. But anyway, um, but I'm not sure of the details. You know, I think uh, what I bring to it is a fundamental change in the discussion. Uh, at least that's what I would hope to do. Um, I've been a physician now since, well, graduated medical school in 1989, so whatever that is, 28 years. And uh, during that time, uh, well, what I see as a fundamental problem is the price of actual health care services. So ignore ignore for a moment the, the coverage issues, whether right. that's, you know private insurance, whatever. It's just what you pay to see a, a doctor, like in my clinic, or what you pay for a hospital stay, or uh, an MRI, or getting a prescription filled. Those prices we pay in America are much higher than anywhere else in the developed world, anywhere in the world, period. Um, the next most expensive country is Switzerland, and they spend less than 70% of what we do on health care. So, that, I see, is the fundamental problem, and efforts like the Affordable Care Act and whatever repeal and replace kind of thing the Congress has been considering this session are all looking at coverage issues. But again, if the problem, primary problem is that the spending for services is high and we're using some kind of health care plan to cover those services, of course, that coverage is also going to be more expensive. And a lot of people that don't have insurance, uh, not all, but a lot of them, are simply priced out of the market. They don't have it right. because they can't afford it. And until we actually address issues of, of the prices for the actual services, we're not going to fix this problem. Thus far, things like Medicare Part D, going back to uh, you know the, the Medicare prescription plan, uh, or uh, under the George W. Bush administration, or the Affordable Care Act under Obama administration, uh, we're just kind of shuffling the deck chairs of policy concerns around while the uh, Titanic of healthcare spending uh, well, yeah, and it looks like it's, I mean, Obamacare is going to implode. I mean, here in Iowa, we only have one insurer left on the individual market. And they, that's they, only for like four counties or something like that. Right. And they, yeah, they look like they're going to probably be pulling out soon. So we're going to have nothing. Um, 
you, this is something you, what you addressed is something that we've we've talked a lot about here on Caffeinate Thoughts Radio uh, as far as nobody's talking about actually addressing healthcare costs. So how how can Congress should Congress even address this? And if if so, what can they do? Well, again, I think the first step, uh, going back to kind of a surgical analogy here, before you recommend treatment options, you establish a diagnosis. So here the diagnosis is high health care costs for actual services, as we already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then you can start talking about treatment options. And basically, as I see it, there are two broad strokes. One would be uh, a top-down, uh, artificial government-imposed solution, such as price control, uh, which don't work well, and I, I don't favor, but that would be something that, that, that is one option. And the other option is a bottom-up, kind of more organic, market-driven approach, which should uh, impact not only excuse me, not only uh, prices, lowering them, but also improving quality in some areas where our, our healthcare system doesn't quite uh, do as well as I would like it to. Um, and so that's the approach I would prefer. Right. There are existing models that fit that. Uh, Singapore has probably the purest example of it. Switzerland has a little bit different, but still kind of a market-oriented approach. But these are universal coverage models. Everyone has access. All those citizens have access to coverage. Um, and they try and contain prices through more market mechanisms. Uh, in contrast, you have you know, the United Kingdom model, which would be akin to our veterans and military hospitals, which I have a lot of experience uh, working in. Right. Uh, nine years as an army surgeon and other additional time in training in veterans hospitals. Uh, you know, that's a model that I don't think everybody wants nationwide. Uh, no. The system is kind of a similar to Medicare. Well, and what we've seen recently with Charlie Gard is that, mm-hmm. you know, they they basically veto, you know, a parent's ability to choose what's best for their child, which is, uh, you know, beyond the pale. And as well so, as yeah. their, their surgeries they don't do and 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 they because they they have to control costs, it's it's just getting too expensive and and that's a smaller nation in the United States. I mean, well, it's just untenable to think of single payer, you know, us to do a single payer. We just couldn't afford it. I think that's right. And so, you know, kind of be careful what you what you ask for, right? Right. We might get it, and uh, I think that would be a crime. And I, I also just don't think that's generally what most Americans want. We, I think we can share broad goals. Uh, I would like to, again, going back to what we just talked about, I'd like to see healthcare be less expensive. Uh, I'd like it to be better in areas where it falls short, and I'd like all Americans to have equal access to it. Uh, That doesn't mean it has to be a government-imposed top-down solution. We can still use market forces to uh, accomplish the changes we wish to seek, and I think we can still provide subsidies to help support those who need it. Again, this is something that's done in Singapore, for example. And so that, I think, is the model we should consider thinking about. As far as as how to get there, um, there are, as best I can count uh, 14 physicians and dentists in Congress and mm-hmm. three nurses, uh, most are Republican, but I think there's four that are Democrats. Uh, let's make that the core group of trying to pass through a policy solution. Uh, Have a medical caucus? Yeah, wouldn't that make sense to me? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's just, just a wild idea that you might want to consult uh, experts in the field to deal with a particular issue that is in their field. But uh, that would be a really good place to start. I don't know if there's any people who are professional patient advocates that are in Congress, but they would be great people to include as well. Well, all Democrats uh, say they are. <laughs> well, 
I am too. Uh, you know, I'm a, very much a patient advocate for my patients and everyone. But uh, you know, I think it'd be great to get uh, get some people who actually have some expertise in the field. Uh, maybe have all 16 or 20, however many there are of us, say we will not take any uh, uh, funding from any interest groups in the medical industry for a period of five years. Sit us down in a room and and let us hash out a plan and or even a couple different plans and look at alternatives and, and you know. A pie in the sky dreaming, I know, but uh, I think if we're going to try and find workable well, solutions, we ought to work with experts. Know we we may not be left with the choice. <laughs> we <laughs> may not be left with the choice, and that's my worry, right? Yeah, right. So. Exactly. You're listening to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, and online I've got uh, Dr. Christopher Peters, who's running for Congress in Iowa's 2nd Congressional District. Uh, what are some of your other top priorities beyond health care? Well, I think one part is just something I've been talking about this week is and it, we've kind of already outlined it already in the healthcare debate is kind of what I consider uh, a common sense approach to, to problem solving, which uh, physicians use in their office all the time, which is number one, you need to understand a problem fully and medical jargon, make a diagnosis before you start talking about treatment options. And it seems to me that in a lot of policy discussions, the two sides, Republican, Democrat, progressive, conservative, are throwing out different policy choices without ever taking the time to fully understand the issues. So I think kind of that, and I think this is something that anybody who has run a business, a farm, headed a household, understands. You know, to, to solve a problem, you need to first understand it, uh, and then you can look at solutions. You know that some solutions may be better than others, but all solutions are going to have downsides, some of which you can't anticipate. But in order to do that process, you need to be thorough and start from the very beginning, which is understanding the problem. So Broadly speaking, that whole common problem solving is something I've been talking about a lot and something I don't see uh, very much at all at the federal level. Uh, and I think it's a bipartisan failure. It's not one side or the other, in my, in my opinion. Right. So one of the things that struck me when, <clears throat> when you ran uh, your, the first time against uh, Congressman Dave Loebsack is uh, your campaign in that particular race was probably one of the more civil ones uh, that I saw in 2016. Um, what, what do you think we can do as, as a nation and, you know, as a state to bring civility back into politics? You know, I, I think all you can do is, it, you and I are both parents, uh, we've talked about that. Uh, what we do for our kids is the same thing. You try and emulate the behavior and hope others follow it, right? And that's, I think, mm-hmm. all you can really, really hope to do. You can't legislate, uh, good behavior, uh, you can exemplify it and, and hope that other people will follow your lead. Um, as I've said last cycle and I've said again this cycle, while I had my difference with, with uh, Dave Lobsack and, and don't think he's been necessarily the most effective representative, I do think he's a decent man. He's very smart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy talking to him. We When we meet, we usually throw little barbs at each other, but it's all a good-natured fun. Right. Fun. And, uh, you know, so, and I don't think he's corrupt, uh, at least as, any more than anybody else is in D.C. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm serious. I think he's a decent guy. Yeah. Um, and if, if I wasn't running and he wasn't a representative and we just happened to be meeting somewhere, I would probably uh, strike up a friendship with him and enjoy uh, talking political philosophy with him. I think that would be fun. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, we actually want people that, that offer bold new ideas and have a vision that's different, and, and I think I can bring that to the table. And uh, and I hope we do that with civility this time as we did last time. 
Uh, we've got about just a little bit more than a minute left. I, I wanted to ask you, uh, I know a, a question that's on probably the, uh, a lot of our, our listeners' minds. One, where do you stand on the life issue? And two, how do we protect religious liberty? Well, I think, you know, we have protections for religious liberty. They're kind of built into our Constitution. The idea of separation of church and state are supposed to go both ways, really. They really were designed originally not so much to protect the state from the influence of religion, although that was part of it, but a big part of it was to make sure that religion, I think, was protected from the influence of the state. So that's just something like any other liberty has to be always defended. Um, regarding the, the life issue, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. Um, it's, it's difficult. I don't really expect to see anything substantive coming at the federal level that's going to change that debate at all. Um, and so I guess I hear the music going in the background there. Um, but I think we can approach the things like we have been doing at the state and local level thus far, and I think that's probably the best way forward for those that are greatly concerned about that particular issue. Hey, throw us out your website real quick. It's uh, uh, drpetersforiowa.com. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, stay tuned, everybody. This is Caffeinate Thoughts Radio. Hi, this is Brian Myers. When I needed a better life insurance plan, I found it with Travis Riswold of Modern Woodman of America. When I first met Travis, he wasn't like some other life insurance agents that can be pushy and try to get you to buy something. Travis just made himself available to me. That was it. He told me to let him know if and when I needed anything, and he stayed in touch. When the day came and I did need to make some changes with my life insurance, Travis met with me and walked me through several options so I could make an informed decision. Ultimately, it was the best decision for my situation. So if you need a better or the best life insurance plan for you, call my friend Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. His number is 515-883-0029. Travis Riswold with Modern Woodman. He can help you find the life insurance you need. Call him at 515-883-0029. Every human being has God-given dignity. That's what we believe at American Principles Project. We work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious freedom, local control over education, economic progress for working Americans, and a return to the constitutional principles that make America great. Want to help us out? Visit our website today and sign up for email updates, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. Welcome to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio, a stimulating look at culture, current events, faith, and politics from a Christian and conservative point of view. We don't just talk on the radio, we blog too. Check us out at CaffeinatedThoughts.com. Now grab a cup of coffee and join us. This is Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. And welcome back to Caffeinated Thoughts Radio. Caffeinated Thoughts Radio is sponsored in part by American Principles Project, a conservative political think tank in Washington, D.C. American Principles Project believes that human dignity should be at the heart of public policy. They work in all 50 states and in Washington, D.C. to promote life, religious religious freedom, local control over education, authentic economic progress for working Americans, and a return to constitutional principles such as federalism. Want to help American Principles Project? Visit their website today, AmericanPrinciplesProject.org. That's AmericanPrinciplesPlesProject.org. Sign up for email updates, send a small donation their way, help them out. They're a great group. So we just got to this segment. We've got a lot of news to cover. Uh, the first thing I, I want to bring up, that actually I added to my list this morning, 
was uh, the 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 skinny uh, repeal Obamacare repeal failed as we mentioned. Uh, I was talking with Dr. Uh, Christopher Peters last segment, and I'm looking at this article from Politico. It says how John McCain tanked Obamacare repeal. It says the Maverick senator delivers a stunning rebuke to President Donald Trump and his own party leadership. So Paul Ryan couldn't persuade him. Neither could Mike Pence, and in the end, President Donald Trump couldn't reel in John McCain either. The president made a last-ditch effort calling the Arizona senator and key holdout on the GOP's Obamacare repeal measure as the bill's fate hung in the balance, according to two sources familiar with the conversation. After Pence spent about 20 minutes working McCain, the senator went off the floor to speak with Trump by phone, Three those sources said. Uh, whatever the men said didn't work shortly before uh, 1.30 a.m. Friday. Uh, that'd be Eastern Standard Time or Eastern Daylight Time. McCain strode off to the well of the Senate and gestured his hand downward to vote no. Stunned gasps echoed throughout the chamber. I thought it was the right vote, McCain told reporters. I, I do my job as a senator. It was shocking yet fitting. Coda for the senator's health care battle, starring the veteran senator with a well polished Maverick streak. Within days, he went from Obamacare repeals savior to its executioner. Um, and he was just diagnosed with brain cancer as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, I have to say, I, I feel badly that he's dealing with brain cancer. Absolutely. He, he, be, he betrayed his constituents. He betrayed his constituents. He promised, even a year ago, uh, I saw a video of him saying he was going to repeal Obamacare. Mm-hmm. And to flip-flop like that um, is beyond the pale. People elected you with, elected him, and, and there were two other GOP um, uh, senators who voted against uh uh, and I'm pretty sure one was uh, uh, Susan Collins. I'm not sure who the other yeah. one was for the skinny repeal. Uh, there were seven that voted against the full the Rand Paul's amendment to. Um, it was that was also a partial repeal. They couldn't do a, um, based on Senate rules. They couldn't do a full blown repeal. I'm not entirely sure how that worked. Um, but anyway, seven GOP uh, senators uh, voted that down. I've got I, I've listed them on caffeinatethoughts.com. Mm-hmm. Go check that out. These people need primaries. Uh, unfortunately, Senator uh, McCain uh, uh, probably won't live long enough to see yeah. a, a primary yeah. uh, since the uh, life expectancy with the geoblastoma is about 14 months or yeah. so. Got so, a question for you, Shane. Sure. How do you think this is going to affect the midterms coming up next year? Uh, well, it depends on, you know, people blame the GOP in general for a lot of this, and, and I think this is a failure of leadership to you know, the pull the caucus together. We don't see this problem necessarily with Democrats. On one hand, it's not a bad thing uh, because I, I, I like it when senators can buck party leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, we've been for the last seven years have been talking Obamacare repeal, Obamacare repeal, Obamacare repeal. Mm-hmm. And now it's time we could actually get it done and they fail miserably. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I can't blame the entire Senate caucus for that. That's not fair uh, because in this case for the skinny repeal, it was three mm-hmm. GOP senators. In the case of the Paul uh, Rand Paul's um, amendment, it was seven mm-hmm. out of, out of the entire caucus. Everybody else voted for it. So how can I blame somebody actually voted for it for its failure? Yep. Um, but uh, because it, because this was also unpopular, probably with some, independence we might see some blowback i i don't know it's hard to predict um 
I think we're going to have some blowback because of, of Donald Trump in general mm-hmm. as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I could be... <laughs> I could be completely wrong about that. I was I was obviously wrong about him winning the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, me and just about everybody else. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's it. Typically, midterm elections don't go well for the party in control of the White House. Yeah. That's just historically how it goes. Okay. So, um, except George W. Bush actually in his first term had um, the midterm elections went okay. It wasn't until second term that kind of mm-hmm. went off the went off the rails. I think I think we're going to maintain the House. I think uh, I think Republicans will maintain the Senate because um, I think actually the road pathway for Democrats to win back the Senate this time around it's not it's not odds aren't in their favor. Okay, um, and the House is going to be difficult, but we, we're probably going to lose some seats. I mm-hmm. assume. Um, but you know that's really anyone's guess. Uh, moving along, we've got <laughs> four minutes left. Yeah, I think I am going to have to cover some news in the fourth segment. I'm going to wait to talk about the transgender thing for a segment. I think Uh white house dumpster fire. Uh, <laughs> this, if you've been watching the white house the past couple of weeks, it's been incredible. Um, not only with, with uh, president Trump's treatment of Jeff sessions uh, publicly, but for instance, I just three tweets from uh, earlier in, on the July 22nd and then the 24th and 25th, you know, he says, why are so many people, so many people are asking, why isn't AG or special counsel looking at many Hillary Clinton's or Comey crimes? 33,000 emails deleted in their tweet. He said, so why aren't the committees and investigators, of course, are beleaguered AG looking at the crooked Hillary's crimes and Russia relations. And then another one, uh, Ukrainian efforts to sabotage Trump campaign, quietly working to boost Clinton. So where is the investigation, AG? And then Attorney General Jeff Sessions has taken a very weak position on Hillary Clinton crimes. Where the where are the emails in DNC server and intel leakers? Um, okay, folks, this is a businessman. I don't know about you. Um, but in people I've supervised, I don't go criticizing employees publicly like this. It's just bad business practice. He's as, he's Jeff Sessions' boss. Mm-hmm. If he has a problem with how Jeff Sessions is doing, or you know how he's doing things, he can call him into the Oval Office and talk to him about it. Absolutely. Uh, this 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 blasting him on Twitter is mind-boggling. Other than he's trying he he's trying to he's trying to paint Jeff Sessions. And by the way, Jeff Sessions was has been loyal. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He, he he was the only senator to endorse Trump during the primaries. So if this is how Trump treats his friends, that that's incredible. Um, and I think this is going to actually come back. It is coming back to bite him because. Some of his base doesn't agree with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, and and frankly, too, the Senate is not going to. I don't think the Senate's going to cooperate. You know, filling the post if he ends up firing uh, Jeff Sessions. And the only reason he'd want to fire Jeff Sessions is to try to kill the Russian probe. Yeah, um, he was. He said he was irritated that Jeff Sessions had to recuse himself. Uh, but I think Jeff Sessions did what was legally appropriate mm-hmm. under the circumstances. Uh, so, you know, Trump is, again, trying to blame everybody, but I, 
the buck stops with Donald Trump. He's the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's it's just amazing. It's everybody's fault but his own. Uh, and then you got the whole Sean Spicer resigning. Uh, and now you got this, uh, the girl in the mooch, Anthony Scar. <laughs> Scar uh, oh, gosh, what's his last name? Uh, Scaramucci? Is Scaramucci. That, is that what it is? Yeah, Scaramucci. And he had a piece in the New Yorker where he, he spouted off to a reporter, and it was like, you're the communications director, and you're talking to this guy like that. It's crazy. And the tr- and the dumpster burns. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Approximately 15 million U.S. residents have their identities used fraudulently each year, with financial losses totaling upwards of $50 billion. Identity theft can ruin you financially, but consider with me something even more dangerous. I'm Scott Owen with Crosswalk Ministries of Central Iowa, and it's time to pause for peace. People tend to struggle to have peace with God and others because their identity in Christ has been stolen. If you don't really know who you are, then you are not going to know how to respond to others. Society has promoted independence, self-analysis, self-indulgence, and exploration of life outside of God's directives. We are created by God, and therefore our identity is in Him. We can read a scripture to know who we are. We are not dependent upon societal norms or trends that are fickle and ever-changing. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, and don't let it steal your identity. Get clarity on who you are in Christ. Call Crosswalk Ministries at 515-635-5465 or online at Crosswalk Counseling. And welcome back to Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Caffeine Thoughts Radio is brought to you in part by Myers and Associates, serving the Midwest with industrial maintenance products and services. Call them at 515 795 3676. Myers and Associates, keeping your operations running. Uh, we're foregoing our, our traditional top Trump of the week um, to talk, since we had a lot of news we weren't able to cover, to talk about um, news that actually encompassed some of Trump's tweets. So uh, the big news of this week, uh, <laughs> it's hard to determine what's the biggest news. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot in the Senate, the, the flame out of the Obamacare repeal, uh, that's certainly big news. But now this... Um, Trump, by Twitter, says he's going to reverse, or he wants to reverse Obama's transgender military directive. Here's what he said on three consecutive tweets. After consultation with my generals and military experts, please be advised that the United States government will not accept or allow transgender individuals to serve in any capacity in the U.S. military. Our military must be focused on decisive and overwhelming uh, victory and cannot be burdened with the tremendous medical costs and disruption that transgender in the military would entail. Thank you. Um, this was uh, said on, on July 26, and and as you can imagine, um, freakout session by liberals everywhere. Mm-hmm. And now you got this hashtag on Twitter that says trans rights or human rights. Um, <laughs> first of all, I want to be abundantly, absolutely abundantly clear. No one in the United States has a right to serve in the military. The military, by nature, is exclusive. And because it's exclusive, we have the most effective fighting force in the world. 
Uh, for instance, uh, if I, I, I'm, I served in the Army. I was in the Army National Guard from 1989 to 1997. I served in Iowa and Illinois. If I wanted to re-enlist, not that I want to re-enlist, um, but if I wanted to re-enlist, they would probably reject me. Why? Because I'm 45 years old. Uh, you can, I, I'm, I'm beyond the waivers. I, they would, I would have been able to get a waiver maybe a couple of years ago because of prior service, mm-hmm. but I'm too old. Generally, the cutoff's 40. I'm definitely too fat. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. Um, my son was interested in, in being in the uh, in, in the military uh, for years, and then uh, when he was in junior high school. Uh, but then he came. He was diagnosed with cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma, uh, which he you know for he's he's a cancer survivor, and we're going on five almost five years in remission. Uh, but then he also had a head injury where he had a skull fracture. Nope, sorry, he wouldn't pass a, a MEPS uh, f- a physical exam. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be allowed in. And we talked to him about that. Unfortunately, he's found other interests. But, uh, you know, he wouldn't have been able to serve. Uh, my grandfather, my, um, uh, my, my mom's dad, uh, try, uh, tried to volunteer for World War II. He had flat feet, rejected. Um, <laughs> now, they tried to draft my paternal grandfather, uh, who was deaf <laughs> and it oh, took wow. him a couple days to finally to convince them that he was deaf. <laughs> um, but obviously they don't want deaf people in, in the, uh, uh, in the military. Is that, is that, you know, does the deaf people have a right to serve in the military? Now, Lady Gaga tweeted something out. Um, and I don't have it in front of me, but I can paraphrase. Where it's like, you know, you, you just excluded a group where, Forty-five percent of the eighteen through twenty-four-year-old trans- transgenders have attempted suicide. That right there, she made the case why transgender people should not be allowed in the military. Yeah, in the military, especially now that we're on war footing, and and the likelihood that you're going to be deployed to a combat zone is very high. It is a high-stress environment. We're already seeing soldiers with PTSD, and we're already seeing a high rate of suicide among among our veterans. To add a group that already has a high risk of suicide mix, that's craziness. Anyway, more we could say about this. Um, also, he needs to do an executive uh, executive order. You can't command by Twitter, uh, so hopefully that'll happen. Hey, this is Caffeine Thoughts Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. <laughs>